since learning the truth about alcohol over four years ago, I've become pretty skeptical about anything that seems too good to be true. You know, like alcohol. If you're like me and you can spot a too good to be true health hack from a mile away, congrats, you're a skeptic too. Ritual knows that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds our standards. I take Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus every morning because it has high quality and traceable key ingredients in clean, bioavailable forms. It's gentle on an empty stomach and has a minty essence in every bottle that helps make taking my multis actually enjoyable. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com forward slash sober mom. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash sober mom for 25% off. All right, you guys, I am currently struggling with a pinched nerve in my neck. And if you have ever had one, you know the pain. So I am feeling super thankful for today's sponsor, Tanasi. Tanasi's CBD, CBDA is two times better than CBD alone and better than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. It helps soothe and relieve my aches and pains, like my pinched nerve, and it's great for sleep and anxiety, so I put it on right before bed. Tanasi was discovered by a team of chemists and biologists at Middle Tennessee State University, and 5% of all revenue is given back to the university partner for ongoing research. It is THC-free and comes in a range of products. I love the topicals, but you can also choose from soft gels, gummies, and tinctures. Satisfaction is guaranteed. Try Tanasi for 30 days, and if you don't love it, you get a full refund. Go to Tanasi.com and use code MOM to get 25% off at checkout. That's T-A-N-A-S-I.com to get 25% off your first order with promo code MOM. Hi, welcome to the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm your host, Suzanne of My Kind of Sweet and the Sober Mom Life on Instagram. If you are a mama who has questioned your relationship with alcohol at times, if you're wondering if maybe it's making motherhood harder, this is for you. I will be having candid, honest, funny conversations with other moms who have also thought, hmm, maybe motherhood is better without alcohol. Is it possible? We'll chat and we'll talk about all things sobriety and how we've found freedom in sobriety. I don't consider myself an alcoholic. You don't have to either. And maybe life is brighter without alcohol. I hope you will join us on this journey and I'm so excited to get started. Hello. Welcome back. Happy Monday and all of the things. How was the weekend? We're going to just cut through that small talk. I don't like small talk, you guys. I don't do it. I'm not good at it. Let's talk about today's show. We have Pyle. I love Pyle. I've been following her on Instagram at Pyle for Style for a while. That all rhymes. And when I realized that she was sober, I was like, okay, hold on. I want to hear your story because not only is she super chic and so just funny and creative and relatable. The reels that she puts out, we talk about it a little bit for motherhood and especially with her husband. It's just like super relatable. And I'm so glad that she came on here to talk about her sobriety because she 
shares one thing that her therapist said to her that changed everything and that really was the impetus for her to stop drinking. And I think that it's a brilliant response that her therapist said. And so I think that if you are sober curious, if you're kind of new in sobriety and you're waffling back and forth, you will love this episode. And you will also love it if you're a mom, which I'm guessing you are because you're listening to the Sober Mom Life podcast. We talk a lot about motherhood. Oh, we just talk about everything. You guys will fall in love with Pyle. Make sure to follow her at Pyle for Style. That's P-A-Y-A-L-F-O-R Style. I'll have it linked in the show notes. Also, don't forget, make sure you follow along so you know when a new episode comes out. If you're loving the podcast, you know, just review it and make it a glowing one and give it all of the stars. I really appreciate that. If you're wanting to find community and connection and sobriety, come and join the Sober Mom Life Cafe. $15 a month, you get so much. You get, oh my God, four weekly meetings. You get our book club. You get exclusive Discord chat. You get two bonus episodes a week. What? Am I insane? Have I lost my mind? That is so much. I love it. I love our community over there. You will never meet more gracious and supportive and funny women. Come and join us. It's linked in the show notes. And I hope you enjoy this episode with Pyle. Pyle, welcome to the Sober Mom Life. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited to do this. I was just saying that it feels like I know you because mm-hmm. you're adorable, relatable reels. You guys have to follow her. It's Pile for Style. You have the most like relatable husband, wife, marriage reels, I think. <laughs> Every time you post those, I'm like, oh my God, that's, yes, that is my husband. That is my marriage. <laughs> because, you know, I feel like as a content creator, I just take inspiration literally from my everyday life. And so we'll have these interactions and I'll be like taking a note of it because it's, I know that if it's happening between us, then for sure other people are facing that too. And it's the only way that I've been able to kind of mold in like my content creator life with mom life. And I'm a teacher as well. Like I'm off for the summer, but when I'm in the school year, like I'm juggling a lot. And so if I want to stay on Instagram and like, you know, continue to build what I, I'm building, then everything's got to be like intermixed for me. You do a great job of it and really making it relatable. And yeah, you're a teacher. I mean, you have a lot going on. When did you yeah. start creating? When did you start influencing? Consistently for the last three years during COVID, I really became. I think like very authentic on my page. And that is actually the time in in which like I removed alcohol and faced my issues with alcohol head on. And so anyway, when I did that, I think that that's when I just started like really embracing it. And it started as like style and fashion. And that's still one of my pillars. I, I love fashion. I love makeup. So you will always be able to come to my page and see some of that. And you have the cutest style, you guys. The the looks, I'm telling you. I'm a style blogger too. That's how I started. Mine is very like, I mean, just 
put on jeans and a t-shirt and let's get ready to go. You are very like put together. I'm like, how is she doing this? You're, you have a full life and you always look amazing. Thank you. I just, you know, I've always been interested in fashion. I think that in like another life, I, that's what I would have pursued um, for my career. And I love teaching, but it's just nice to be able to have that creative outlet and continue to pour into something that you love doing. And then like, so over COVID, I stopped drinking and, you know, got some therapy. And like, that's sort of when I realized that, okay, this is a relatable story. This is something that even though it feels vulnerable, even to this day, like when I share about sobriety, it's still uncomfortable. Sometimes I will hit post and then right away be like, take a deep breath. Like you just put yourself out there. There will be people who will judge this will be like, Oh my God, was she an alcoholic? Like, right. Yeah. How bad did it get? Yeah. Wow. What was her rock bottom? Like, you know, stuff like that, that I'm sure um, comes across people's minds, but I just try to look at the bigger picture in that I'm a young South Asian woman who I'm a teacher Having an issue with alcohol doesn't really fit any of those things about me. It it really doesn't. Like when you picture an alcoholic, I don't even know if I call myself that. That labeling is half of it, right? The labeling of it. And so anyway, when you look at me, you would have never thought that I had an issue with managing a limit and with the impact that it had on me. But I've had many women come to me and say, thank you for sharing this story because I didn't realize I had something going on with me or that I could even, I didn't realize I had like a choice that I didn't have to drink. And I'm like, oh, you have a choice. And on the other side, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's it. Like that is completely it there. And I get it. Like you hit post and it's like, okay, because you do have mm-hmm. to put your guard up a little and you have to like have that thick skin to, to be like, yes, some people are not going to understand this. Some people are going to try to misunderstand this and some people are going to come at me. Like I get that, but you are going to help so many women just by sharing it and putting it out there that it's an option because yeah. most women don't know it's an option. They don't because it, it's so woven into our upbringing and our society. And like when you get to college, it's like, yeah, let's go crazy. And the the thing with me was that I did. Like I got to my freshman year. I didn't drink a lot in high school. I had strict parents. And so there were very few opportunities where I could like party. Yeah. Is that culturally generally how it goes? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That it's like strict. So there's not a lot of alcohol is there a lot of alcohol in your culture? What is that? Because I always find that that a really interesting conversation culturally. Yeah. You know, okay. So there is. Because like the culture is sometimes based on the religion, there are some people who are like super religious, don't drink at all. Well, I didn't grow up in a family like that. I grew up in a family where my dad was a heavy drinker and he drank often. And when we had friends and family over, our house growing up was like the party house. And so- alcohol was glorified in my life. And 
I don't want to blame my parents for that, you know, because actually my dad is sober now, which is amazing. Oh, really? But yeah, wow. and it's it is because of like health issues and things like that, but he's been able to give it up and so that's awesome. That's incredible. Nonetheless, like I was I grew up around alcohol and then like our wedding celebrations, I have two older sisters and it was like, well, we have to have an open bar. Like alcohol has to be present. It was like no question. I mean, it sounds similar. Yeah. It sounds similar to how I grew up and it was like, yeah, it's just ever present. Like there's not a question. Exactly. Now it's ever present, but also I think what's missed in all of this is like, it's always there, but like you better figure out how to like not overdo it. But how am I supposed to and how are many of us supposed to try to manage a limit with a substance that can take over you? Like that's really Yeah, that is highly addictive. Exactly. So like I think there's many more people struggling with this than they want to admit. And and I get that because I was not willing to admit it for a long time. And for a few reasons, like I really loved it. Like, I love it. Yeah, like, it is fun. It was fun. And, like, because of years and years of drinking, it, it was in my head that, like, I'm not having fun if I'm not drinking. And that really got difficult after I had children because I still found a way to have alcohol ever present when I had my kids. Well, of course, because everywhere we look, like we're told that motherhood requires it. Yeah. So you said you started drinking really in college Mm -hmm. and that was the fun days, right? Where it's like, I mean, look, it's kind of like my story, like party girl. Looking back, was it fun? I mean, sometimes. Was it super dangerous? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then when motherhood hits, it's like, no, we're no longer drinking for fun now. Now we're drinking to cope. Right. And now we just have to drink so we're told, to cope because motherhood is really hard. And that's the trick. That is. Because it just makes it harder. It is. So how did it go for you? Yeah, between so the college and then like 20s and then into motherhood when you're still trying to figure out where does alcohol fit? So in between, like after college, I was still in my 20s, you know, like so I was dating. I was like always like off in a city with my friends doing weekends. And so their alcohol was still really, really present. And the thing is, is that I just didn't outgrow it. And so in every almost like social circle group of friends in my family, I'm like the youngest in my family. I am the youngest. And so then in my groups of friends, it was always like, we, okay, Pyle's going to get toasty and we're going to have yeah. to drag her home. And so I wasn't a very good friend. And like looking back, I, that's, not a, that's not a nice thing to do to your friends. And it would come up here and there, but like nobody ever really wants to be like, no, like, can you please not drink? Like, so it was never like outright told to me, but looking back, like somebody in my group always had to be the responsible one. And usually it was all just in like laughter and humor, but it's actually not funny. And so I've only now realized that. But so through my 20s, there was still a lot of drinking. Then I met my husband and honestly, on the premise of alcohol, like we met at a bar and we dated long distance. So he was in Texas and I was in Pennsylvania 
and our weekends were like soaked with booze, like uh, bottomless mimosas, like everything was about drinking. So both of us prioritized it. And again, that those like red flags of my toxic relationship with alcohol, they weren't noticed or they were, I, I didn't yeah. notice them. Nobody talked to me about them and it wasn't their responsibility to be honest. So we just kept like going along. When you do prioritize alcohol, you find other people who also prioritize alcohol. Totally. And like, that's what you have in common. And you're like, you drink, cool. I drink, let's go. Like we we both drink and you, you don't comment on my drinking. And to be honest, I'm so focused on my drinking. I don't even know how you're drinking because I'm I'm like thinking about my own drinking. And so- Totally. And, and when you don't want to look at your drinking, you will find those people who aren't going to talk about your drinking because you yeah. don't want to talk about it. Like you don't want to talk about it. You don't want to look at it. And so it's like, yeah, let's find comfort in alcohol. Mm-hmm. And so no matter where you are, like you will gravitate towards the people who are also boozy with you. Yes. So that's who I sort of found. Like I moved to Texas and I started a new chapter, but like, sure, sure as heck, I like found my circle and we partied a lot. And in our group of friends, my husband and I were the first to have a child. And so like, which that's hard. It was, but like at the time, he's seven now, but I like prided myself. I was like, we still the fun parents. Yes. Oh, okay. We're all going to party. That's cool. I'll bring my pack and play. Right. Like see, nothing's (laughs) changing. Like I'm still the same, right? Like you want, you want to like prove you're like, no, no, no. I'm a mom, but I'm still fun. I'm the cool mom. You guys, nothing's going to change. Right. And that's all fear, right? That's fear of Mm -hmm. being like, holy shit. I think what's under that is like motherhood for me was like a huge existential crisis. And I was freaked Mm -hmm. out because I was like, wait, my body's not mine anymore. I'm breastfeeding. Like I'm not me anymore. And so you do try to hang on to that. Like, okay, nothing has to change, right? Like I can still be fun. And alcohol numbs things for you. So like I didn't want to face some of those like major changes that were happening. And so I was like, I'm going to drink through it. And so if we're, if we're going to the park, like I'm taking my water bottle and it's filled with wine. And there's just so many of these like moments that I can recall where I ensured that alcohol was part of it. And like here and there, someone would be like, oh my God, are you drinking at the park? And I'd be like, oh my God, I'm a mom. Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. You know? Like I'm going through enough. Yeah. Let me have this. Yeah. Like I'm just trying to relax. So then like I had my second son in March of 2020. And so, so rough. Oh, so yes. rough. Literally, world shuts down. 10 days later, I am due with my second son. I always want to point out because I think, and I've probably said this, like people are probably rolling their eyes because they're like, Suze, I get it. Like you always talk about this. But I do always want to point out what we collectively went through. And moms yes. who, like I had a three-month-old, you had a newborn. And like yeah. what we were expected to do and no one's talking about it. it and it's like trauma. Trauma. You definitely hold on to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when we don't talk about it, trauma just keeps going. And like when there's yeah. no like clear cut, ending, trauma just keeps going. And so like, yeah, we're all in like PTSD from like all of that. And I cannot imagine being pregnant, about to give birth, seeing the world shutting down and being like, holy shit. 
that's scary. It, it was all supposed to look, I mean, for all of us, but like as a mom, like it was supposed to look so different. Like, so as a teacher, this baby was like kind of beautifully planned out because yes. I was going to have my maternity leave and then I was going to go straight into summer and then flip of a switch. All of this happens. Uh, my older was four at the time and he was supposed to continue at his daycare, his like preschool and um, they shut down. Mm. And so it, he was home. Everyone was home. And I was just a volcano. Of course. My mom was supposed to come help me and she couldn't be there. And so my whole family lives on the Northeast and now we're back in New Jersey. But at the time I was in Texas. And so it was so weighing on me, like being far from my family who I'm super close with. So the like lots of things bubbling up. How do I deal with it? Even as a postpartum mom, like drink. Okay. Oh, I can test my breast milk. No big deal. Like those strips, like keep them coming on Amazon. And I actually feel so much like guilt for that. I tossed milk. I tested my milk all the time. And like, was I always being a hundred percent cautious? Like, I don't even know. And I hate that. I hate that. There are these moments that they keep me up at night. Like, do uh, I really? Uh, okay, we need to talk do. about this. Okay, so we are always the hardest on ourselves, of course. Like, I can have compassion for everybody, and and hearing your story, I have so much compassion. And then I know when I think about my story, I have those same feelings, right? And so yeah. this might ring hollow, but hearing your story, I don't go to, oh my god, how could you? I go to, oh my god, of course. Like, of course yeah. you turn to alcohol. Drinking in moms went up something like 320% during COVID. Like, there's a reason. Not only is the whole system set up to make sure that we did, right? So this wasn't just something that we, like, stumbled on and found and then we we're like, oh, look at this. It helps. No, no, no. This was a very systematic marketing machine to make sure that moms would turn to alcohol. And it worked. But also, it's the escape. And I mm-hmm. can't think of a person who would need more of an escape and to help cope than a new mother. Like, you're newly a mom of two, right? And that's mm-hmm. – I don't care if you already have a kid. You're a new mom because you've never had two kids before. Two's like 20. Yes. Might as well be. <laughs> Might as well be. And I've heard that before. And I really believe that, like, when that second child comes along, like as you're even pregnant with your second, it's all of a sudden like this pregnancy is hella hard. So hard. I had a toddler and I'm like, oh my God. It's and just the so toddler, exhausting. Like shockingly doesn't care. Like I remember being shockingly. like shockingly. <laughs> I remember the moment that I realized because my kids are all two and a half years apart. And so I remember the moment that my two and a half year old, you know, I had my newborn. And I remember literally the moment that I'm like, oh, she doesn't care. Like she doesn't care that my hands are more full and she's not going to help. Like she's two and a half, like she doesn't care. Mm -hmm. And that's hard. And so you have, you're trying to figure this out. You're postpartum at all in your breastfeeding, which Mm -hmm. even on top of that, I mean, 
your village is gone. And we're also scared. I think when we put us back in March 2020, like what we know now of COVID is not what we knew then. We were scared. Like we were. And it's up to moms, generally speaking, to keep our families safe. And when you mm-hmm. don't know how to keep your families safe, I mean, it was terrifying. You're, you feel out of control. Like yes. you, you really don't. We did not have control of the situation. Right. Like we kind of were out of control. And then so I just hear that and I think, of course you turn to alcohol. That had already been a part of your story, already helped you cope. It just mm-hmm. makes sense. And I, I hope that like as you, you know, work through your sobriety and live through it, I hope you can find compassion for yourself because there's just – you know, I think if you heard your story coming out of someone else's mouth, you would say, of course, like, and there would be that compassion. Honestly, that's really helpful because sometimes you do need to show yourself that grace. And, yes. you know, I, I have had those moments of really saying like, you know, the girl who was making those choices, she's still in me. And I, I love her. Like I do. I love her and I understand why she did those things that she did. I had, I, this is like my line, like that I always go back to, I had to be her then so that I can be me now. And that's really like powerful to me because I wouldn't be where I am right now if I didn't go through those things and I didn't have all of those moments of hardship. And, and, you know, that, so that was through COVID, but prior to when I'm thinking about this, like escape that mothers need, like with my first, I had gone back to work at six weeks. It was like a new job. And so I jumped right back into work. That's also like, I can't imagine that. And at the time I was like, I'm a mother, I'm a warrior. I'm going to do this and I'm going to keep working and I'm going to keep charging through. And now I totally understand why I so often took the escape to alcohol because I was inundated. And then when I would spend time with my friends, I just wanted to let go. And I just wanted to be free. And And like to not care, right? Like we just want to not not care. care. After care. And you're a teacher. I mean, there's that. Mm -hmm. There's so much caring. Teachers are the superheroes of our world. And like, yeah, you just want to not care. Like, can I just please not care about anything for like a couple of hours? And the irony of it is that I was seeking freedom. And now as a sober person, I know with my whole heart how free this feels. And so when I see somebody who is still like really just dependent on alcohol, it's like what you will have on the other side is so beautiful. So, but, but that's part of why when I put content out um, and it is like this, my sober curious content, I really focus it not so much on my past. I, I share a little bit of my story, but I don't dive in as much because I want to talk more about what is on this side yes. and what you, what you will get out of this. And also to just encourage like, it's a choice. You get to right. make that choice. Like you're allowed, you're allowed. You can go back into social situations. You can go back and it's going to take some courage, but actually you're going to be way more confident and you're going to love yourself. Yes. And like trust yourself. And like you said, like it's the freedom. It is kind of like looking at somebody in a cage 
and you're outside of the cage and you're like, no, the lock is right there. And, and you know, they can't find it. And you're yeah. like, just no, no, no. It's so much better out here. I promise. Just open that door. Yeah. Like you can fly. Like this whole time you can fly and, and you didn't know it, but I'm telling you, you could fly. Open that door and you could fly. You can. Yeah. And they have to get there. Okay. So we're in COVID. You have a newborn, mm-hmm. you have a toddler. What happened? So you you talked about the fear of COVID. And yeah. so as a teacher in the state of Texas, so teaching in Texas meant that like, we're going back in person. Ugh. Oh, you're nervous? Put on a mask. And like, it, it was hard. Yeah. Um, I have a newborn that I'm thinking about of the health of my children. And there are so many unknowns in this moment. And so my tension and stress as the summer's going through like on is just building. And so the way I'm dealing with that, with all the overwhelm is like drinking. And so we were getting like cases of wine delivered. Which remember that too? Like people were <laughs> like, okay, this is essential, right? Which this just highlights how much we were struggling because it felt essential, right? It did. Yeah. Absolutely. And so like we're drinking all the time. And you know, when I say all the time, no, I'm not waking up at 9 a.m. and popping a beer. So this is how my alcoholism like flew under the radar because there, you know, when you think about maybe a textbook alcoholic. It's somebody who goes through withdrawal. It's somebody who is like, for instance, like I had considered going to AA a bunch of times, like through my drinking career. And every time I did, I would look it up and it would be in some like church basement. And yeah. I was like, okay, I'm just going to be surrounded by a bunch of old white men who, who like have, were like in the military and had trauma. And so this is, this was my perception and that stopped me from getting help. Yes. But there were telltale signs to a problematic relationship with alcohol. And so when we were trapped at home and then drinking a whole lot, you know, that was also leading to just not feeling good. And like, so I'm in my postpartum body. I already like don't like what 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 I'm seeing. And it's hard for me to like come around to that. And so I wasn't treating my body well either Mm -hmm. to make any changes. Uh, But nonetheless, you know, that that's all going on. And my husband and I are like, always arguing because it's COVID and we don't have an escape. Like, and you're always together. Yes. Always together. And I'm like, oh my God, I don't like being around you. So I, it was, it was getting to the point where I started to feel like possibly postpartum depression. I was really low and, you know, I we're arguing and I don't have an escape and I'm not seeing like the beauty in life anymore. And I'm like trying and I can't see the good. Um, I'm, I'm having like all these conflicts around me. And so my sister was like, you know, I think that you're under a lot of stress and you're headed back to work you should make an appointment to talk to a therapist. And hey, you don't have to tell anyone about it. Just do it. And like, it can be virtual. Get on the phone with somebody and talk about what's going on. So I started talking to my therapist who I only had one session with her, mind you. It was one of those like better help teletherapy. Totally. And so we chat and I'm talking about like these conflicts that I have with my husband. And I'm like, I don't really like spending time with him. (laughs) Honestly, 
unless we're drinking. And I was like, so unless we're drinking, I don't really even know what we have in common anymore. And like, so I'm like really digging in. And she's like, let's backtrack a little. How often do you guys drink? And so then at that moment, I decided I can either be really truthful to a therapist and seek the help that I need, or I can lie. And I decided that for the first time, I'm going to be very truthful. And so I told her how much we drink and I talked to her about like how much I've always drank and that that's like how I have fun. And she said one line that I will tell you, and this isn't everybody's story and I get that, but she said one line that made me stop drinking for good. She said, that doesn't sound safe with young children in the house. Wow. When she said that, my heart just, it dropped because she said something that I have thought in my most internal thought many times, many, many times, countless times I had, I had thought that like what I'm doing isn't safe. What if in the middle of the night, my kid has an emergency and I need to get to the ER? What if? I'm not capable in the middle of the night when I drank until midnight and like blacked out. I'm not capable. And my husband, pre-COVID, he used to travel a lot. And believe me, when I was momming on my own, I was drinking. Yeah. Because I des- because I deserved it. And so when she said those lines, I was like, okay. So the next morning I woke up and I was like, solid. We're not drinking. And I had taken breaks before I had really tried. Any person who struggles with alcohol, usually they have a couple of solid tries under their belt of like, I'm going to give it up. I'm going to take a break for three months. I'm going to detox. I'm going to cleanse. And then I'm just going to moderate. Like then I'm going to try to control, like I'm going to have rules, Mm -hmm. right? And then, and it's really hard to have rules around a highly addictive substance. Like it's It's just, very hard. hard. (laughs) Yeah. It actually takes a hell of a lot more energy. Oh, and willpower. And it runs out. Like willpower runs out. You know what I mean? Like all the rules that we make, then we break. Mm -hmm. So I was never able to manage it. And, you know, at that moment, I don't like to be extreme and ultimate with anything. So I wasn't like it's gone for life. But I was like, this time there is no expiration date to this. Like what she said hit me to my core so hard that I was like, It's time. Wow. There are a few things that jump out to me. First, that it was a conscious decision that you were going to tell the truth. Yeah. And that you were like, okay, I have two choices. I can minimize this. I can do what I've done, right? Mm -hmm. Or I can choose to tell the truth, not knowing what she's going to say, not knowing where that will lead, all of the unknown and all of the fear behind that. But I can tell the truth about how much I'm drinking. And what she said is incredible because it's, there's no judgment behind it. No. It doesn't sound shaming to me. It doesn't sound like it's not going to put you on your back foot to be defensive and to be like, oh, no, well, it's not that bad. You know, It just was kind of a factual statement, putting your kids first and kind of just her observation when she was like, that mm-hmm. just that doesn't sound safe with kids in the house. What a great therapist. Yeah, she really was. So I attribute so much to her for just saying what I needed to hear. 
that was um, when I made the big change. And at that time, I was like, this just needs to be the decision. So again, it wasn't like I'm done forever, but it was like, I'm done for a good bit here because it was different too. This time when I was taking a break or stopping, it wasn't like, I really want to like drop seven pounds, right. you know, it, or it, and it wasn't, you know, superficial. It was, I got sick of my own shit. Mm. And that I think is what has to happen. You have to look at yourself and be like, I'm done with me. Like we have got to change that light life does not have to be as hard as you're making it. So we have got to make a change. And this was like the big change that needed to occur. So again, we're in COVID. So one thing that I will say that was kind of really on my side was I was not in a lot of social scenarios. Same. Yes. Yeah. And that, that was really nice because sad to say, socially, I would have dealt with a lot of eye rolls, questions. Oh, okay. You're taking a break, like sarcasm. You know, I would have had to catch all of that and I didn't, it didn't have to. So as the months went by, the benefits just multiply. Totally. (laughs) Yes. I would venture to say every single day, you are recognizing more benefits and you're you're feeling a way in which like mental clarity you're feeling physically more awake and energetic and like rested and yes all of a sudden your skin's clearing up and it's like oh like i'm a little glowy all of a sudden my pores are smaller (laughs) my workouts are more impactful because now i'm working out but i'm actually like seeing some physical changes that aren't just temporary like I'm hitting goals. Once you start to see all of that, like game over, I'm like, I am not inviting alcohol back into this life. Yes. And the good thing about that is it sounds like you weren't pining away for alcohol, right? Because I think we can even miss the changes if we're still pining away for that like toxic ex, right? Mm -hmm. Like you could have an amazing guy in front of you, like, and, and, you know, if we were single and, and then if you're, if you're pining away over that toxic ex, like you're going to miss him. But instead it's like, no, it does sound like you, you left alcohol and you were like, okay, I'm seeing you for what you are. Like I'm done. And now just looking forward and like looking at, yeah, just what life can be without it. Yeah. I think the only points where I've had these minute moments. And I call them moments because they are very momentary and I have to push through them. But where I am like, oh, it would be kind of nice to just have some, like we were just in Portugal. Okay. And European culture, like everywhere you go, like people are having wine and beers and outside. And so we were on a family vacation. The kids were with us, but there were a couple of times through the trip where I was like, yeah, you know, it's just one of those where I'm like, any other time I've come to Europe, I've had wine. And yeah. so this was different. And again, it was like, I told my husband, because he said, well, maybe it's something I can be more mindful of. Like, I don't have to order wine or beer, or I, I don't have to do that. And I was like, no. It's not for you to be mindful of. My only issue with my husband drinking is when he goes to the point of I can like tell 
And then I, I'm like, okay, yes. I, can't, I don't think I can. And it, it's a boundary. I've told him, I'm like, if we're in a situation where you start to act buzzed and drunk and like, and I, I can't be around it, please respectfully, like I have to remove myself. Yes. And that's part of the journey. Yeah. It's like ongoing. Yes. I can't expect him to stop drinking because truthfully, he he doesn't have a problem with it, you know, and he feels good about his relationship with alcohol. Right. And like, it's his own journey. The same with my husband. Like yeah. he's on it. Like my journey is not his journey. And I'm the same way. Like I realized pretty early on that it was like two drinks. After two drinks, if he has two drinks and I'm around and we're out, Mm-hmm. it starts to turn a little, there's a little edge yeah. maybe that comes, like I can smell it more. He's acting a little bit different. I can't connect. And so for mm-hmm. him, it's like two beers. That's it. If we're together. hundred. Yep. And it wasn't something like, I've talked about this a lot. It wasn't something that he was just like, oh, okay, cool. No, it's, it's like you set a boundary and like, they're probably not going to love it. But I always kind of frame it in like, I want to be able to connect with you. And if you've had more than two beers, I can't. And honestly, it feels a little bit scary to me. He doesn't get scary. But I think for a woman, a sober woman with a man who's been drinking, that can feel scary. That's probably some of my triggers that I bring from, you know, college. But that's just, you know. Well, yeah. And like, thank you for saying that. Because the thing is, is I think on social media, everyone wants to just paint life like it's beautiful and oh I got I'm sober but my husband's like thousand percent supportive and like it's great and he is I I have asked him before like do you wish I still drank like why do I do that but he's I I have asked him like well what do you think of it like how has it changed us I think that's a good question yes what has this done to the relationship and not meaning that you're gonna drink but I think any talking about it is always good. Is productive. Yeah. And so I, I've asked him and he's like, no, like this has been the best decision that you've ever made for yourself. Like as a mom, like you feel so confident, you feel so good. I, I can only admire that. So we, we talk about it, but you know, when he is drinking and you're right, gets two, we're good. Yeah. The moment that we're going past two, I can sense like a little bit of a shift and like he might like snap about something. Yes. I call it the edge. Like my, it, there's the just edge. like, a, I like it's an that. Ed, and I'm highly sensitive. So I'm like very tuned in to, mm-hmm. and then I'm like, you have an edge to your voice. I don't like that. It feels unsafe. Like, yeah, it's the edge. <laughs> That's exactly the moment where I'm like, uh, I can't do this. So now, he, he, and with like, I, he kind of lost his partner in crime right. when I stopped drinking. And so he did end up cutting back. And like, so he's had a decrease in, in his, his drinking because we're not sharing bottles of wine um, around the fire pit the way we used to. And he's fine with that, right? But like, yes, there are those difficult things that we're still going through and just trying to get on the same page. And that's what also is like part of sobriety is recognizing the way your relationships are going to change. Yeah. And that's a, that's a hard part of it. Um, but you know, when you grow and evolve, like there are people who are going to be along with you on the journey and they're going to figure out how to still be supportive and love you and be part of your life. But there are people that you're going to shed. 
they're, they don't get it. It's like a snake, right? Yes. It's shedding skin. Yes. And like, there are people who are part of that past life who don't want to understand what you're doing, who want to make jokes about it, who want to downplay it or question. When I found myself having to justify like that I had a problem, I'm like, no, no, no. You didn't come home with my blackout. You didn't wake up with my guilt. You didn't live through those heavy emotions. You only saw yeah. the fun and the party. So you don't get to now be like, you were fine. I wasn't fine. Totally. And most of the time they're saying that because they want their drinking to be okay, right? Yeah. And it's like, well, wait, if you took a look at your drinking, that means that I might have to take a look at mine. And yeah. I'm not ready to do that. And maybe I never want to do that. Or maybe I will never be ready. It's kind of... You know, I consider myself that I like outgrew alcohol and there are yeah. some people I outgrew too. Yeah. The great thing about sobriety is we get to figure out how we feel and what we need. And like that's just a part of it and being like, oh, okay, I feel really icky right now. Like I feel icky trying to justify my sobriety to you and I don't have to do that, you yeah. know, and that's the freedom. That's just another part of being free. Yeah. One thing that I think I continue or just through sobriety have struggled with is as I go deeper and deeper and love this life that I'm living so much, I'm finding it harder and harder to understand alcohol. And because yeah. so many people around me still enjoy it, it isn't a conflict. It's not like I'm at a party, like, okay, like, let's talk about how horrible alcohol is. Like, I'm not going to be that person. <laughs> like, hey, you guys know that's ethanol, right? <laughs> hey, that's poison. Yeah. Hey. You're poisoning right. yourself. What are you doing? And so, <laughs> yeah. I, but I will say that I reflect on it and I'm like, this is getting harder for me to watch. Like if I, if I'm, I'm around friends and they're like doing shots and stuff and, and I'm like, what are you doing? Like, I know, I don't know. Like I I'm figuring that out because I don't think that that's a healthy way for me to proceed. Uh, especially like the question comes up, do you want your children to drink? And when they get to drinking age, I don't want to tell them like, no, you shouldn't. You know, but yeah, I also want to tell them, no, you shouldn't, you know, so I don't know. I know. I think that this is so, which of course this comes up all the time on here because we're all moms, right? And we immediately, once we start kind of tackling our relationship with alcohol, our minds immediately go to our kids. And then yeah. we're like, wait, okay, how do we protect them? Jessica Leahy wrote The Addiction Inoculation and I talked to her and she has a really good point about like... We educate our kids on all dangers and like mm -hmm. we can educate our kids about what alcohol really is and what it does. And that can start at a young age and not scare them, but being like my job as a mom is to protect you. And so part of that is telling you what alcohol does and how it affects your brain. And your brain is still developing even until you're 25, right? Mm -hmm. And so I need to protect your brain. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just think more talking about it is better because I know when I grew up, it wasn't talked about at all. No. Like I knew to be terrified of drugs and I was. I didn't know alcohol was a drug. I didn't know it was addictive. Yeah. I didn't know any of it. And just, I don't know, like, I, and I don't have all of the answers 
on anything, but like for my almost nine-year-old, we, we talk about like, oh, and why do people drink it? Because it makes them feel good. It changes their brain. And so like it does make you feel good for a while, you know, for a and short it's addictive bit. Yeah. for a short bit, but it changes your brain and it makes you do things you probably normally wouldn't do. And so it seems like it's like a fine line between telling the truth and then like villainizing it so they want to do it. But I even talk about that, you know, like, yeah, you might want to push, push against me and, and try it, but we can always talk about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Absolutely. And I think that in due time, like I'll share with them why I don't drink. Yeah. And I think that'll be kind of powerful too, to say that I did, I did, and it's, it's okay to do it, but some people struggle with a limit. And I did. And so it didn't make me feel good the way that it's like supposed to, right? So it, it, right. it didn't work for me. And it's okay if it doesn't work for you. So yeah. just, I love that, like just having those conversations. He does, my my older ones, he's seven and I'm like, and he will ask, he'll be like, well, oh, mommy doesn't drink that um, like wine or whatever. And he's he'll like notice it. Yes, totally. I know. And it's all like once kids start noticing everything, I'm like, oh my God, I, I, I have to like come up with all of these answers on the fly that I'm like, oh my God, what am I saying? What is happening? Yeah, I know. <laughs> like they're like real thinking human beings, like noticing things. I'm like, oh God, I can't lie anymore. I can't say the park is closed. So we can't, have to go. Can't say the park is closed. The park is very much open. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Okay. So you're like three, you said you're like three years, right? Almost. So August 20. 24th is three years for me. Oh my gosh. What's your favorite part about sobriety? Um, My favorite part is being able to trust myself and the freedom that I have in almost every aspect. So for instance, like I'm always safe and capable enough to like drive myself home. That's huge. Like to me, that that's huge. That gives me the freedom to do anything. And so I, and there's a lot of other things, but that one right there is like, I can start and end my night the way I want to, when I want to for a long time that was taken from me, I would, I couldn't trust myself. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I even put myself in dangerous situations and then harbored a lot of guilt and fear around what could have happened. And I hate that. Oh, that anxiety of like not knowing. And it like, that's just a fact that when alcohol is in the equation, it's a question mark. It is. Well, and, and that's, that's kind of for everybody because of what it does and how it affects our brain. And so, yeah, just taking that question mark, like there's no question. There's no like, huh, I wonder what I'm going to say, or I wonder how the night's going to end up, or I wonder if I'm going to remember this. Like, there's just no question. There's just so much control that you have on over like what you say and how how you say it. And so I used to also, I, I would have a lot of anxiety over how I acted um, or the things that I said, because too often alcohol would make me emotional. And so if there was any like surface conflict with anyone, like I'd just wait until I was four drinks in to be like, can we talk 
<laughs> totally. And the, oh my God, I've been there. Yes. Nothing is solved. And then actually it's like way it's worse. worse. It's way worse after. And so, you know, it, it's just the freedom that I have um, to be who I want to be and like so authentically put myself out there and then like stand behind that girl. Like the next yes. day, I'm not like, what, why was I saying that? What did I, why did I do that? I'm like, oh, the yeah. worst. That's, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like, that was me. That was me. Yes. There's just no shame. Isn't it funny that we drink so many of us, I think drink to help with social anxiety because like going to a party and you're like, Oh, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm anxious. And then if you choose to drink the social anxiety after drinking is 100 times worse than the social anxiety that you have in sobriety. Like I still deal with before I go to a party or gathering, I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to be awkward and whatever. But like, okay, so I'm awkward. Like that's fine. My character's not going to be in question like it would have been had I drank too much. I'm going to remember everything. I'm not going to have a, oh my God, what did I say? What did I, like that. That social anxiety that comes with drinking, I think, is hell on earth. There's like – it's horrible waking up and being like, oh, God, what did I say? Yeah. <laughs> I just look back and think like I was making things so much harder for myself. So, And it's, I love like when you um, do content on getting your Sunday back and like oh, really embracing that. It's huge. Like I wake up on a Sunday and it's like you're back to that – joy and innocence of childhood. Yes. You know? It so is. Yes. Yes, there are these responsibilities of being an adult and a parent, but they feel a lot more manageable, right? Like they feel a lot more manageable to like get all of that done and still like squeeze out some time for yourself and to just indulge. Like, and I find myself going back to that childlike joy, um, places like the beach or like summer nights when it's like, let's go get ice cream. And then really enjoying that treat. And like, I just feel like a kid again. And I love that so much. Isn't that amazing? I love that you brought that up because I feel that too. Like I'm going to my cousin's wedding this weekend and I love a sober wedding because dancing sober, first of all, everyone assumes you're drunk anyway. So no one cares because they're all drunk, right? So they're not. Dancing sober is like this childlike joy that you can just let go. Like, no, like dance sober. It's it's so good. It's, it's the the best. best. It truly, truly is. So, and summer is full of that, right? Like summer is full of that kind of carefree, like just live. And so I, I've enjoyed that. And it it allows you to enjoy your kids in a different way too. So true. I, I've um, embraced that and there's just so much joy in all of that. And then they get to see you having fun. Like they mm-hmm. get to see you doing that. And it's just so connecting. And yeah. Yeah. I love it. Oh my 100%. God, Pearl, I'm so glad we did this. I, know. I could talk to you for so long. I know. <laughs> Absolutely. It's been a little bit since I've like kind of really 
gone through my story. And uh, so this was actually just nice, especially like on the brink of a month away is is three years for me. So I'm like, yeah, I'm like all up in my feels about it. That's good. (laughs) I know that's, that's amazing. Like to, to just reminisce how far you've come and how much you've grown and like that you're still, you know, we don't get jaded about a sober life. Like I'm, I'm three and a half years and I'm still like you say Sundays, like I'm still treasuring this life that we get to live and we get to be present for it. And it's just the best. There is gratitude every day. At least one point throughout every single day, I, I think about my sobriety. That is pretty cool. You know, like you do, do not get jaded by it. It's so true. Oh my God, Pyle. Okay, tell everybody where we can find you. So you can find me on Instagram, um, Pyle for Style, and also on TikTok, but I do much more on Instagram. So I know I try to get me. into TikTok too, and I'm it's like, Ugh, I can't. I know. It's hard, it's hard. And now with like threads and stuff, I'm like, you guys, I can't, I can't keep up. I can't too keep old. up. So you can know. find me on Instagram. That's where okay, you'll and see we'll me. link it too. We'll link it in the show notes to make Sounds it easy. Good. Pyle, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Sober Mom Life. If you loved it, please rate and review it wherever you listen. Five stars is amazing. Also, follow me on Instagram at The Sober Mom Life. Okay, I'll see you next week. I'm going to go reheat my coffee. Bye. I'm Madeline, and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking, and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober, and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host, and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety, and lots of how how-tos for navigating all the things sober, from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories, and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.